Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. That means it is Mental Health Monday. We're going to take a look at emotions in the gospel with Dignus Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Joining us this morning, Dignus Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Morning. Good to be with you guys. Happy Monday. It is time for Mental Health Monday and digging into emotions and the gospel. And this week we get to dig into the foundations of emotion. What do you mean by that phrase, foundations of emotion? Mm, I think a lot of it has to do with the question that we asked on the last episode, especially that like where are emotions welcome and not welcome? Like what what is their place, I guess? And I think it it's a very spiritual question as well as a question that is deeply connected to our sense of who we are. And one thing we talk about in the book is God's God's personhood and his faithfulness to us as well as just who he is. And, and we discover a lot in the book about God. I think that's kind of one of my favorite things about the book is that, you know, you open about a book about emotions and you expect to learn about yourself. But like we said last time, it's not a self-help book. And <laughs> Part of the point is like, what if we, what if emotions were something to help us also learn about God? And so we really dive into a lot of that. And so I think that's the foundations help us understand more than anything, God, you know, as much as we can, because God exists in both revelation and mystery, what God's advantage point of emotions are and how our understanding of all of our theology also impacts our emotions then as well. So we want to get this firm footing, if you will, just like we do on anything else that we're standing on God's law and gospel, his His justice and love, his grace, as well as his accountability in our lives. And so we want this firm foundation that is always found in Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, right? Died and rose. And then how does that impact our emotions? Mm-hmm. So we, you're right that we don't always think about, or we don't always come at this from a perspective of the gospel and of learning about God and what this actually means for us. What do we discover and learn about God when we start to look at emotions from this more theological perspective? Sure. One of the quotes I would say is closest to my heart in the book is in the introduction. And it's actually like a pullout, I think, because this is something we struggle with as individuals, also within our relationship, and then also with with God and our relationship with God and, and in the church. So all those, it's present in all the layers. And that is when pleasant emotions denote God's faithfulness to us, we are left wondering if their absence marks his scarcity. And so I think when we don't ask the questions about emotions, we feel like that is a part of our lives, whether true or not, that God is not present. Or we feel like we attach these things to them, like we are less than or there's something wrong with us. We start to call sin what isn't sin. And then we also hide from the sins that are sin and all of that good stuff. And so I think that we we really do not understand to some degree, partly because of the mystery of God, how intimately God is connected to 
our emotion. And in the Emotion Foundation is the hardest section to read. Or sorry, it's, I promise it's not that hard to read, but the hardest section to write. <laughs> what an unfortunate statement. The hardest section to write was the section on the image of God. Because as far as emotional foundations go, this was one I felt like was so important is that God is emotional. And so I propose that that is one reason we're emotional, like that that isn't separated from God. Like, yes, we're emotional as humans, but we are also emotional because we're created from an emotional God. Um, And it's actually quite wild when you get into it, how many emotions are represented in God throughout scripture. And then especially in the person and the humanity of Jesus Christ. But I'm also talking about God, the father. I'm talking about God at creation as God in revelation and everywhere in between. That's really interesting to me. And because of our, especially like Lutheran doctrinal understanding of the image of God is connected to the ways that the Augustinian view of it, which has a lot to do with logic and reason, and that being impacted by the fall into sin and our loss of the image of God, that that's, I think, some theology that I have some, some disagreements with that I don't know that we know about biblically, like that it's not stated. And so I ended up having to ask mentors and dive into a whole rabbit trail of, can I talk about this? Like, is this a foundation that we have that we can actually even set? And so the image of God one in particular, I think, is a place of wrestling that we don't actually even know we have, most of us. And so getting a little bit more concrete of like where our emotions come from, why we have them, and that connection created to for connection, right? See, now I'm saying your title, Andy, created to connect, <laughs> no, created for connection with God. That's it's very important to have that conversation, even if there's places that we can't fill in the mystery where we'd like to. So if we're talking about connection, connection implying relationship, the relationship of God to our bodies mm-hmm. and our emotions, what's that relationship? And then to take it one step further, then what's the relationship between our bodies and emotions? Because mm-hmm. in this chapter, you, mm-hmm. you do address this this the bodies and emotions and God and right, how they're right. all connected. Right. Yeah. So we're going to get really familiar with the phrase holding the tension <laughs> with Mental Health Mondays this year, <laughs> which is obviously something that I talk about all the time. But especially for this, we need to be able to apply it. And by that, I mean, now we believe in tension, especially as Lutherans, because, of, you know, the long gospel is a very obvious one that they coexist, right? That they're teammates, if you will, as a maybe too colloquial term for it. But at the same time that we are both body and spirit, like we're not Gnostics. We don't believe in only the spiritual experience of God. We believe that our bodies and God's flesh and blood matter. And for instance, when we take communion, that he's truly present, that his body and blood are real alongside the bread and wine that we take into us. And that's important for a reason that we may or may not understand completely. And so we need to apply the same to us, that we are not only spirit. Spirit matters to God, that we have the Holy Spirit in us, that we have our own spirits that, you know, commingle and such, but also that we are bodies. But then at the same time, I think there's this new pendulum swing that comes out throughout history that it's all about the body. And that embodied faith in particular is something we hear about a lot now, that we are bodies. And I talk about that and I talk about the science of that as well as the scripture of that. 
But I really, really, really want to emphasize how important it is to hold the tension that our relationship with God is not one or the other. You know, our our bodies are important and God, you know, gives us information through them by creating the five senses and by giving us ways to process it by DNA and the way it's written and the way it's restored and things like that. But he also does work in our spirit. And so being able to have both those pieces of how we understand God and not making too little or too much from them, I think is the, probably the short answer of either side of that. Mm-hmm. So how is emotion than a gift from a, is it is it a gift <laughs> i don't know is it i need to say that it sounds like you're like i'm doubtful I, this is skeptical sarah speaking i feel like we need to like take a step back and ask that question first <laughs> <laughs> right wait is it, is it i would present in the books and it is a gift it is just like everything else impacted by brokenness that makes the gifts hard and painful or confusing at times right family it's a gift wouldn't you say family's a gift mm-hmm But also, oh my, there's a lot going on there, right? Friendship, Mm -hmm. I think we call it a gift. I think we call God a gift. And also there's a lot going on, right? Like (laughs) gifts, I think we have a different definition of goodness often than God does. And so the things that he calls good in the the seven days of creation, if you will, I think they're so good to them. And we want to recognize that our bodies, our spirits, all of that is included in that. Our emotions are part of that. Do those things get impacted by the brokenness of the world, the heaviness of the world, our humanity that is limited? And, and our limitedness is sometimes very, always, I would say, even though I'm not supposed to use always, always frustrating to us. It's limitlessly frustrating how limited we are as human beings. And that was the Garden of Eden problem, right? Like, Adam and Eve wanted to know. They wanted to know. We often want to know. We want to understand ourselves and those around us and emotions. And it's also okay to just say like, you know what? God calls it a gift. And I don't maybe understand that completely, but I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to maybe learn about it before him and ask him to tend to it with me. And like every good gift that we have in this world, it has somehow been impacted by sin and brokenness. And this kind of takes us back to the last book, your last book that we we talked about in Finding Hope from okay. Brokenness to Restoration, mm-hmm. how so many things are impacted by brokenness, by sin. Yeah. So what does that look like for emotions? But we'll, you know what? We'll do that in just a minute because I know that this is not going to be a super short answer. Is it anything? <laughs> is it anything? <laughs> No. <laughs> well, it, that wouldn't be fun if it was a super short answer. That's true. Let's do that in just a moment. We'll talk about the impact of sin and brokenness on emotions. It is Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Game and taking a look at emotions and the gospel. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Thank you. 
Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman taking a look at the book Emotions and the Gospel and talking about emotions. So brace yourself, folks. No, it's a good thing. It's it's that's good. Fantastic. Right. We just established so that, right? <laughs> that's right. Yes. Because emotions are a gift. Yes. Um, so... But like all good gifts uh-huh. in this world, they're also affected by sin and brokenness. In what ways are emotions impacted by sin and brokenness? Oh, sure. Well, and I think, you know, I have a little bit of a activity, if you will, that might be really helpful right. in diving into this. Okay. That this is not therapy, like, but it's a helpful activity. If you consider first, and I think we have to answer a little bit still of the gift thing, and this will help like be a bridge, if you will, to the brokenness thing is consider like negative imagery, we call it, which is to imagine your life without something. So imagine what life would look like without emotions. Imagine what this conversation would look like without emotion. And imagine that meeting without emotion. Imagine your family without emotion. Like, I think you can probably think of a few things, a few tidbits. Should I poke at you guys? Anybody have anything to share that you can notice if you imagine life without emotion? Feels very bland and drab. Gray. Not fun. No mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Right. You give up. You can't, you know, Brene Brown says you can't selectively numb, like which, you know, addictions or even being on our phone and things. <laughs> we have all kinds of ways to numb as humans so that we don't have to experience things that are unpleasant for us. And the problem is you can't selectively numb. We know from research, you numb the good stuff with the bad stuff. And I think that Vulcan-esque idea, if you will, humor the Star Trek nerd in me, that we would be more balanced it would be at a higher order if we were only reason and logic and were able to suppress those emotions and manhandle them and wrangle them into submission. I don't know if that's a better reality and actually Star Trek in many lovely ways deals with that proposition multiple times in different series. And so I think looking at that negative imagery imagery helps us grab a little bit more onto like the fact that it is next we can move for a little bit more. Then imagine life with only emotion, right? Imagine if it was just emotion were everywhere and exploded and ungiven freedom and reign and there's no prefrontal cortex to <laughs> process and create some boundaries and barriers. You know, what would that look like, you guys? Any thoughts? It's great. Again, great. That's all that keeps coming out is great. Anything. I picture it as very like red, which is, I mean, we talk in huh. too about metaphor and how metaphor is very helpful for emotions. We don't always have to use the language that we've been given for and for understanding it. But like, I picture it as just too much. Like, like mm. the, it would feel like overload to me at all senses. There wasn't those boundaries put into place. It would lack some mm. safety. We, I alluded to this a little bit last episode where one of the things that I struggle with the most because I treat spiritual trauma and is that there's emotional manipulation at times in faith spaces where we try to get people to experience emotion. And while our emotions shouldn't be separated from God, 
that is a piece of brokenness is emotional manipulation where we are trying to get people to feel and experience something in order to connect with God. And uh, I feel really uncomfortable with that. And that's not just because I'm Lutheran. I think that there's our emotions are meant to be safe for us. And in brokenness, very often they simply just don't feel safe. But a lot of that has to do with the brokenness of vulnerability and our awareness of our vulnerability. I talk about inspecting hope, that fourth realm, right, of brokenness is that awareness we have that we didn't have before the fall into sin. And so I think that is a very challenging thing for us, that we need to experience emotions and safety, but a broken world only has so much safety. Mm-hmm. So when we when we understand all of this and we have all these feelings about how we feel about emotions and but then we realize that Jesus also had emotions mm-hmm. i think we kind of forget about what that actually means for us and our emotions can you can you like unpack that a little bit talk about that oh i just love it i love <laughs> the fact that we as a god who became human and experienced everything we experienced without sin. This is so helpful of a reflection when we start to then look at his extremely emotional experience. I think it helps us be able to put a big red stare <laughs> and say, well, look at that. Emotion isn't sinful. It just isn't. Can I turn it into sin? <laughs> I mean, I'm capable of turning anything into I'm sin. I'm really gifted at that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, I can. And I can throw it out at you. I can try to manipulate with it. I can do all the things. But then sell are not capable. And this gets really complicated, I think, with specific emotions. In particular, we, we all maybe have different ones. I think the, the emotion of bitterness especially comes to mind right now as one that I'm like, oh, where's the spectrum in that one? You know, and just existing with sin. I don't know. That's for another episode. Um, but at the same time, we have certainly especially presented the idea that like, for instance, sadness or anger are less desirable emotion for God. Like that's God's idea that these are less desirable and for sinful even. And I am not here for that. But I think when you discover in scripture, get those foundations, you will see that they themselves are not the problem that God even regret in the flood. It's very tender. That God the Father is 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 sad about humanity and where they're at. That's really telling to us when God experiences things in perfection. So I think those those again complex, right, is our key word. We have to be willing to walk through how emotions are complex and also be willing to say what we know and what we don't know when we open the Bible about emotion, but connect to God in it, connect to Him also. All right. We described emotions as complex, and this takes my brain a couple of places. I got all kinds of like little connected thoughts going on today, <laughs> trying to keep them organized so that I can have a coherent conversation. <laughs> but complex, and and this really stems from watching the movie Inside Out, yeah. the, oh, the animated yes. film. This, mm-hmm. this was like what, like eight years ago, ten yeah. years ago. I don't remember. Don't it was know. like eight years ago, I think, yeah. that this film came out. But it. it 
sometimes we think of emotions in rather simple ways, like yeah. happy yeah. or sad or you know, things like that. But you just described that emotions are complex. Mm -hmm. And they, I agree, the emotions can be very complex. But one thing I noticed in th that I think was illustrated in that movie is that in different stages of life, we experience emotions differently. Mm -hmm. um, when like the... Oh, what the whatever those islands were that like they crumbled in the movie that those islands that represented emotions or family or something like that, but that that they became more complex as she they mm -hmm. the, the smaller ones crumbled and then they became more complex new ones were formed that were more complex. Mm -hmm. Do we experience emotions differently at different stages in life? And forgive me if I'm jumping ahead; I haven't read the entire book, <laughs> but do we experience emotions differently at different stages in life? That's, that's a really fascinating question. And I think part of the short answer is I don't think it's that generalizable, like that I think that we really, that is a very kind of individualized experience of how, mm -hmm. what emotions mean in your family culture, at least the culture you grew up in at large, and also the way that you process and your, the way that God has like set your system, if you will, our personalities and, and all of that stuff. Um, so it's super nuanced. I think it's interesting, like it connects to Sarah's last question too about Jesus, right? So we don't see a whole lot of little Jesus, but we get to see some. And I, I think there's this one story. So the Bible is emotional and it reflects God's emotion as well as Jesus, but it isn't always emotional. And I think it's interesting where it's not. And there's this one, that story of Jesus and he gets lost and Mary and Joseph are trying to look for him. And they're talking and he's like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Like, I, you know, I kind of read it as he's like a little torqued, like a little annoyed or irritated, like if you will. And then when you look closer, you're like, well, I don't actually know what he is. Like, I mean, he might be nothing. And so I think that is a really interesting piece when we go back to scripture and look at the way that Jesus as a human experienced emotions. And then also the disciples, we get some of their growth art, if you will, right? And we see the way that God walks with them and their emotion. Um, I think that's really helpful and very humanizing. We get some giant pieces of people's narratives in scripture. Joseph is one, right? And we can see a lot of his emotional experience and especially the restoration of him and his brothers and father, like just really beautiful emotion. And we see different growth in those, those people. David is another one. And so I, I don't mean to make it over scriptural, but like, I love that about scripture is that it's so descriptive in many ways. And we do see growth as people journey. And I would say that's then also true for us as humans in our time and space is that we are going to grow in different ways. And we'll maybe understand because of those stages of development, which we went through on my website in the Always Growing series. Did we do that on Mental Health Monday? The stages of development. I think we did. Right? We have yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. That's we have a whole well. year of study of that. People are interested. Yeah. That because of those stages of development, that I think God has set many of that in our systems, that we're going to have different lenses, if you will, even though our, our foundation is the same. All right. So I had a different question, but I like where this is going. So I'm just going to piggyback <laughs> off, of, off of this whole like idea of, of how our emotions can shift and change as we mature. How, what does that mean then for families as as kids are, are then adults and then the parents are maybe aging and there's some maybe some role reversal happening? How does that 
how does this all play into these <laughs> family dynamics? Family dynamics, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. All of these because yeah. this, this is relational stuff. Well, that's just it. You guys are starting to unwind the giant ball of yarn, right? Where you're like, oh wait, oh they that touches here, and oh there's this other thing of impacts, and that's you just really I think are very much getting the idea of why we need to talk about emotions and why the gospel needs to be a part of that because it will impact. It will touch all of it. And God is touching all of it. And so when you look at, I think I see this especially, and maybe it's because I have a young adult or two in my household, is the shift in the nature of relationships. Any kind of big life transition, but especially those relational shifts in transition, have a lot of emotions with them, right? So there's the moment that takes a change and adjustment that impacts our emotions and the way we're interacting together. But then there's also the way that we come out of it and we see something different. And so that's going to impact our emotions, our emotional life. And oh man, emotions are super social. We're going to talk at length about co-regulation and the way that we are connected together in emotions and how God plays into that too. And so that'll be a cool piece. We can come back to that too and kind of look at different age groupings and specific kind of changes in life maybe that we want to look at too in that. We are out of time, but I do want to let the listener know you can find Emotions in the Gospel from cph.org. We will include a link in the notes. And I forgot to include last time, Heidi, your website, HeidiGaiman.com. <laughs> we can find all kinds of great resources there as well. It's Heidi, G-O-E-H-M-A-N-N.com. Check it out. There are <laughs> lots, of, lots of great resources <laughs> there. What's that? I said thanks for that. Spelling it especially. I mean, it's so important. <laughs> There are two N's. So, and an O. Sure why? 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 And an O and an E. Yes. G O E H M A N N. Heidi, thanks so much. It is always, it's always just so insightful. You, you bring great insights for us. Thanks for spending some time with us talking about emotions and the gospel today. Thanks for having me. I'll look forward to next time. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.